0: I'd like to continue in reading from the Gospel of John, <clears throat> if you have a Bible, the Gospel of John in chapter 10. John chapter 10, and we're going to read from verse number 7. Then said Jesus unto them again, Verily, verily, I say unto you, I am the door of the sheep. All that ever came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not hear them. I am the door. By me, if any man enter in, he shall be saved, and shall go in and out and find pasture. The thief cometh not but for to steal and to kill and to destroy. I am come that they might have life, and that they might have it more abundantly. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd giveth his life for the sheep. And that's all we'll read. Just in the last part of this meeting, it's nice to see those who have who are still here. I would like to speak uh, and continue what we have looked at on the fact that the gospel message is, is true. We've noticed at the beginning of, of our time together on Sunday That the gospel has a true statement regarding the scope, who can be saved. And we learn from 1 Timothy that God's will is that all would be saved. We learn the truth about the story of the gospel from 1 Corinthians 15 that Christ has died for our sins, according to the scripture, buried and risen again, and he's been seen. We learn the truth about ourselves from John chapter 3 that we are all so bad, we are all so corrupted to the core. That Jesus himself said that we need to be born again. We learned the truth about the scriptures from John chapter 5. He that hears my word believes him that sent me will have eternal life. Last night, we learned the truth about our sin. Any person who commits sin, Jesus says, is the slave of sin. And again, we've looked tonight at the truth really of salvation. And the reason I'm emphasizing the fact that it's true is because it begins here in verse 7. Verily, verily. That's a statement from Jesus Christ that just means this. This is true. The Lord Jesus is saying, this is true. Now, you might ask this question. What if I got up um, at the top of, or at the corner of Stark Road here, and I announced to everybody, this is true, this is true. And then you said something, you know, there are pink elephants going to take over Livonia, right? Right? Why how come saying verily verily all of a sudden makes everything makes everything true? Well the fact is what the Lord Jesus did and this is amazing. No other teacher has done it like this. This is very risky. But what he did is he linked everything that he said. Everything that he said about himself, everything that he said about eternity, which is what you have heard about tonight. You have heard about the solemn reality that we are travelers to eternity. Every one of us will be forever with the lamb or without him everything he said he hinged to one event and he said listen just as jonah in the old testament as he was in the earth and then he was as he was in the belly of the fish and then he was spit out so i will be in the heart of the earth and on the third day i will rise again and because jesus christ i just want you to get this at the beginning of this message because the lord jesus is alive that is why when he says Verily, verily, it's true. It's true. And so what is he saying here? He's saying, this is true. I am the door. By me, if any man enters in, he shall be saved and shall go in and out and find pasture. Johnny told you about one of the men, one of the men we talked to today. The next man that we talked to was a little bit confused on whether or not a person can actually be saved. And Johnny gave him a Greek lesson on something or another. But whether or not a person can actually be saved, or is it just something that one day you you hope to be? One day that there's a final judgment that's coming, and maybe then you will finally be saved. I want you to look at this verse. I am the door. By me, if any man enters in, he shall be saved. It's not something that you have to wonder about. You can leave this meeting. It's our prayer. It's our prayer that you would leave this meeting knowing that I am saved. Saved. I want to ask a few questions about this very strange illustration. The Lord Jesus says, I'm the door. A door. I want to ask you, how come there needs to be a door? How many doors are there? How much does it cost to get through the door, the door to heaven, the door to this great scene that we've been hearing about tonight? How big is this door? And how long is this door open? How come we need a door? How come there has to be a door to heaven? Why can't it just be an open place and everyone can just walk in and out? Why does it have to be a door there? Well, I'll ask you a question. Why do you have a door to your house? How come no one can just walk in and out? Why do you have a door? You say, well, you see, there's people out there who I don't really know. And I wouldn't really want them in my house. I don't know them. Now, if I come into a relationship with them and I begin to know them, then, yeah, they're welcome to come in, certain parts. (laughs) But that's why you have a door. And there are certain people that you would never want in your house. And that's why you have a lock. <laughs> the Lord Jesus says, I am the door because there are things that can never enter heaven. And God has made it very clear in the Bible. Sin can never enter heaven. Nothing of sin, nothing of dirt of this earth can ever be in heaven. God is so pure and holy that the Bible says that in him is, is light. And there is no darkness in him at all. Nothing of nothing that is dirty can ever be with God. Nothing of sin. And sin defiles everything. It, everything it touches. And so sin is the reason that there has to be a door. There's a reason why people can't just come in. They have to, in order to be through that door, something has to be done with their sin. Because sin can't be in there. And so Jesus says, well, I am the door. And so how can we need a door? It's because of our sin. How many doors are there? And I want you to notice what he says here. He says, I am the door. Not I am a door. Not I am the best door. He says, I am the only door. You know that scene that you've heard about tonight? That almost a mystical scene a throne and and there's rainbows around it and angels. The only way into heaven is through one door. There's no back door. There's no side door. I've noticed here coming to Stark Road, you guys have many doors, different ways to get in here. But you know, when it comes to heaven, there's just one door. Everyone in heaven will come through that one door. And Jesus says, I'm the door. Only one door. How much does it cost to get into heaven? How much does it cost to get through the door? Johnny and I, it's just the nature of the work. One of the things we, we do is we knock on a lot of doors. And so sometimes you get to see all kinds of unique doors. Sometimes you knock on a door and you think it's closed and it opens on you. You know, oh, okay, hello. Other times... um. You think you're going to a part of knocking on the door, and you think it's going to be loud, and it's not very loud, so you have to find another part. And you get to see a lot of doors. Sometimes there's, in some communities, especially here in Livonia, there's very fancy doors, doors that seem very expensive. I was talking to somebody the other day, and they're putting in new windows, and they're telling me a little bit about how much those cost. You know, to put in a door is also a pretty pricey thing, to put in a door, The great news about the gospel is that for you to get through the door, for you to get through to the door and into heaven, into this place where you are saved, it will cost you absolutely nothing. There's nothing that you'll have to pay. There's nothing that you specifically have to pray. You don't have to pray to God to God forgive my sins or God help me with this and this. No, nothing like that. But to put the door there. Maybe I should ask it like this. What if there was no door? What if it was just heaven and hell and people were on their way in their sins to hell and there was no way off? There was no exit ramp. There was no door to get to heaven. God would be absolutely just if that was the case. There never needed to be a door. But in grace, in grace, God provided a door for people who are on the way to hell to take the exit and be in heaven. How much did the door cost? Well, the Lord Jesus, in order to make a door that would allow people to be rid of their sins, he had to pay the price for those sins. And the wages of sin is death. And the soul that sins must die. And so Jesus Christ came into this world as a perfect man. He was eternally the object of worship that you have heard about. Just imagine. We can't even imagine eternity, what that means. But just imagine forever. He was the object of people worshiping him, praising him. And he came into this world. And from his very birth, people wanted to kill him. The king of that day, the Herod, he wanted to kill Jesus. And he has to run over to Egypt with his family. He's teaching good things, and they, in fact... In the passage we read the other day, there are people and they profess to believe on him. They say, we believe who you are. And he teaches them good things like, well, if you truly are my disciples. Those same people at the end of that, they pick up stones to stone him. He was hated here. This was an awful place for him. And yet he came. It wasn't something that he was forced to do. The Bible says, in fact, the Lord Jesus says, I have come. The Son of Man is come to seek and to save that which was lost. He wanted to be here. Why? So you could have a door to heaven. That's why. He wanted to be here so you could have a door. So that you could be in heaven. And so he was taken outside of the city. Just over 30 years old. He was nailed to a cross. And on the cross, I was—I—I I read something just the other day. I think it was last night. Sometimes in the gospel... I'm paraphrasing now, but sometimes in the gospel, people struggle with the answer because they haven't asked the right question about the problem. And so you constantly are telling them, Jesus died. Jesus shed his blood. Jesus is the answer. And they sit there as dazed as if if you told them nothing. It is when you realize that sin is what is keeping you outside the door. It's not the fact that necessarily I'm not saved. That's not what's keeping you outside the door. There's no saved angels. They're inside. No. What's keeping you outside the door is that you are your sin. Sin can never be, with he- can never be in heaven. The only way a person can get through that door is if their sin is taken care of. And when Jesus went outside the city and he hung on the cross, the lamb slain the son of god slain and as he went outside there and lifted his heart out to god dying for the sins of the people some people have asked the question did the lord jesus suffer for so long for so many sins you know sometimes you're surprised when you have gospel meetings at the intelligence of some very some very young people and they ask you how does Jesus, I understand he's one, but how does one man dying for sin deal with so many people's sins? That's a very good question. There's some very intelligent people who struggle with that too. (laughs) What Jesus was doing when he was dying on the cross is he was dealing with the root of sin. And he was providing God an answer to judge sin righteously. So that God could then offer forgiveness to every sinner. Every sinner can be cured, forgiven, cleansed of their sin because of what the Lord Jesus did on the cross. And after he was done, he said, it's all done. It's finished. Paid in full. The Lord proved it by raising him from the dead. You know, this was a very expensive door. There is nobody who has gone through the door on the way to heaven. There is no one who has gone through unthankful. There's no one who's just wandered their way through the door and just said, Yeah, I'm here. Every heart that has made it through the door is touched with the fact of what it cost. They're thankful for one who has suffered for their sins. So, how much did the door cost? It cost him his own life. We read that I am the good shepherd, the good shepherd gives his life. And so I want you to see now, the door has dealt with the problem of sin. The very reason why people are outside, the door has dealt with it. He suffered for the sin. How big is the door? What are the dimensions? The door is just big enough for you. There's some people, you know, and they, uh, they want to be saved, and they have a, a whole bunch of people with them. They have a whole bunch of friends. And they say, we just all want to be saved together. <laughs> we, we just all want it together. And if, if we're not all interested and if we're all not with it, you know, and you meet those people even when you go door to door. <laughs> you know, if, if my wife comes or if my husband comes, the door is just big enough for you. You can get through the door. You can't bring anything with you. You can't bring your good works with you and tell God, well, look at this. No, you'll have to leave those behind you can't bring your sin with you. You can't walk through the door and say, okay, God, I, I want to come and I want to get into heaven, but I would still like to do these sinful things. God won't accept that. You will have to turn your back on those sins and just say, oh, Lamb of God, I come, right? You'll just have to come to Christ as he is, leaving everything behind and walk through the door. The door is just big enough for you. How long is this door open? Maybe for this, I'll just ask you to read uh, another verse. I normally don't do this, but Luke chapter 13. Luke chapter 13, and we'll read here from verse 23. Then said one unto him, Lord, are there few that be saved? And he said unto them, Strive to enter in at the straight gate. For many, I say unto you, will seek to enter in, and shall not be able. When once the master of the house has risen up and has shut to the door, and you begin to stand without and to knock, saying, Lord, Lord, open unto us. And he shall answer and say unto you, I know you not whence you are. Then shall you begin to say, We have eaten and drunk in thy presence, and thou hast taught in our streets. But he shall say, I tell you, I know you not whence you are. Depart from me, all ye workers of iniquity. There shall be weeping and gnashing of teeth when ye shall see Abraham and Isaac and Jacob and all the prophets in the kingdom of God and you yourselves thrust out. What we have read is again similar to what Johnny has told us about, a future scene. A day that's coming when the door will be shut. Right now, the door is open. Today, in this gospel meeting, right now, this is an open door. God himself has used that as a picture of an opportunity. In a different context, he says, there's a wide door opened for service. Today, in in this gospel meeting right here, this Thursday night, is an open door. For you. The door could be closed tomorrow. Now that's not salesman pressure tactics, that's just real life. For you, the door could be closed tomorrow. Have you come to the have you come through the door? That'd be tragic, you know, for Johnny and I to look out at, at you people. Appreciate the way you're paying attention. And to actually wonder, did that girl, did she ever get through the door? I had to take a funeral of a man. He was in tent meetings that we had, the first series of tent meetings I ever had. He never came to the gospel meeting, but he came one whole week of those meetings. A big guy. They called him Big Mike. <laughs> he seemed interested and he had a lot going on in his life. But uh, we wanted to visit with him, but he he just kept the gospel at a distance. He just kept saying, I know what you men are saying is true. In fact, he was one of those men who told us, I know what you're preaching is true. And so I'm going to try to bring other people with me because I know it's true. But he just never took it for himself. Just last year, I had to take Big Mike's funeral. I asked everybody. You know, any, any moment in his life, does anything happen? Was there any change in his life? And they said, oh, no. Well, not that we know of. He was always a very good man. That was one of the hardest things I ever had to do. You guys fill out the hall quite nicely. In our little hall in Jackson, it was, it was packed, capacity. Hundreds of people, people I had never known all turning up for this Big Mike's funeral. He was a local hero. He had done something really significant years ago. They asked me to open the meeting with amazing grace. How sweet the sound. It saved a wretch like me. So I did. And I stood up there, and I said, I hope the words that we have sung are true of Big Mike. But if they are not, there's a message that I know he would want me to tell you. Because we have a scene in eternity of a man, a good man, it seems, a rich man, who opens in his eyes in hell. And he says, send somebody to warn my family so they don't also come here. And they all listened very well. You know, there's coming a day where the door's going to be shut. That's why we preach the gospel. One day the door of opportunity will be shut. And the little chorus we learned as Sunday school kids is so, so, so true. One door, only one, yet its sides are two. Inside and outside. On which side are you? If you are outside the door tonight, I can tell you that if you were to trust the Lord Jesus, if you were to depend on his word, that when he said it's finished, that he has paid for sin, if you were to trust him, rest in him, you would know what it is to walk through the door. You would would know what it is to have your burden lifted, to have sin gone. But if you were to reject Christ and if the door were to be closed, you would be lost forever. I hope that there will be nobody in our meetings here that will reject Christ. I'm I'll just close with this. I've been reading in the Old Testament. I was reading today in the book of Jeremiah. Of, uh, and the Lord is speaking to his people. He's speaking to the people of Israel. And he tells them that very interesting story. He tells them a story of this family. And this family has parents and grandparents. And this family has changed the way they eat. And they've changed the way they, the way they drink. they change how they live all because of a law that great-grandpa passed many years ago. And they've all changed. And the Lord turns to his people and he says, they do all that at the commandment of a man. And here you have been given my word. You know what struck me? Do you know that when you reject the gospel, do you know that it hurts God? Do you know that it actually hurts him? To have an invitation, to have a door that cost him his son. And to have people reject it. I hope I never preach preach to you angrily. I know what it's like to sit in meetings confused. But I hope you understand that these are serious things. We haven't come here to play games. One (laughs) door. Inside or outside will affect everything. I hope tonight you will take these words of the Lord Jesus, these truths. Enter the door. And he says, all that enter in, any man, shall be saved. Let's pray.